Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Comics Collective, the weekly podcast where we talk about our favorite comic books and graphic novels, and on episodes like these, talk to the people that make them. Today, we are joined by none other than Christian Ward, who is here to talk about his new dream project, a cosmic horror take on none other than the Dark Knight himself, Batman City of Madness. How are you doing, Christian? Whoop, whoop. That was me. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I'm just, I'm trying to whoop. So you, your listeners can imagine that I'm like fist pumping. I'm not fist pumping because I'm English. <laughs> but if you whoop, whoop, if you can imagine it, that's me. Hello, good evening, good afternoon, good night. How are you? <laughs> good. Has there ever been a fist bump in England? Did they teach you all no. to do that? No. There was one uh, about four years ago, but they had to cordon off the street and just destroy everything because it was just it, everyone was just really embarrassed about the whole thing. Yeah, so it seems like the kind of thing that could spread, you know. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Don't want that. Yeah, we don't, we don't like, we we ignore pandemics in this country. Hey, us too. Yeah, we do that too. I think we might yeah. have learned it from you, but oh, we do, we do it best, we do it best. <laughs> wow, politics. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're one minute and fifteen seconds in. Let's see who we can yeah. alienate. Yeah. Yeah, they'll be like, well, I'm not buying that woke Batman who believes in pandemics. <laughs> that guy with all the contingency plans, he would yeah. hate PPE. <laughs> oh, so funny. So, Christian, Hello. talk Hello? to me about, we talked a little bit before this, um, yeah. talk with me about your comic book origin story for people that might not be familiar ah. with your work. But shame on them, but I'll do it anyway. I'll do it anyway. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm Christian Ward. Um, you might know me from comics such as um, the last thing I did was um, Aquaman Andromeda as an artist, and I've also done uh, Invisible Kingdom uh, with G Willow Wilson. Aquaman was obviously with, with Ramsey. Um, Odyssey with Matt Fraction. Uh, Black Bolt with uh, Saladin Ahmed, and uh, and I'm also a comic book writer. Two halves of the brain, one draws, one writes. And um, last year I I did the book uh, Bloodstained Teeth. It's excellent. Everyone should check it out with the incredible Patrick Reynolds, who doesn't realise he's incredible. So everyone get off, get on Twitter, Instagram, tell him he's incredible because oh, I, I, I say I keep doing it, and it just it, he's not soaking it up yet. But I think if enough of us do it, he'll soak it. We should. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's me. So I uh, I write and I draw. Um, I got I've got a terrible singing voice, though, so it evens <laughs> out. Um, yeah. So, I, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's me. Wonderful. So this project that you're talking about, you've described it as your dream project. Maybe... Yeah. When did this dream start? How did we get here? How would you describe Batman City of Madness? Well, I mean, this this story, uh, it kind of, it kind of goes back. There's like there's like it's a two prong attack. There's a kind of one that goes back a couple of years, but it actually goes back a lot further than that because really this book's a pseudo sequel, come love letter to the book that I genuinely believe set the course of my life and if this book hadn't have happened i don't know if i would have been a comic book artist now and, and the book in question is batman arkham asylum a serious house and a serious earth the real ones always give it the full title mm-hmm. ignore the people that don't 
And, uh, and that was by the, the great Grant Morrison and uh, Dave McKean. And um, I read that book when I was 13, when it was released in the UK by Titan Comics. Um, and it, it changed my life. It was the first time a, I really saw what a comic book, comic book could look like. And I remember I was doing my, um, when I later did my A-levels at, uni- at uh, school, my art teacher was constantly at me to stop drawing comics. Like, don't draw comics, don't draw comics. I'm trying to kind of broaden my horizons. And um, on the course that we did, we had to write an essay that, you know, to show a sort of level of understanding of, of art history and kind of being able to be critical of art and kind of understand art in, in written form. And the book that, that I proposed to look at, the art that I proposed to look at was Arkham Asylum. And my, my teacher at the time fought me on this. But I was I was adamant that I could convince him and other people that comics could be art. And that's the book that I used. And I was so proud that this this essay that I wrote, this project, as a kind of like 17-year-old kid, got picked up by the exam board and held up as an example of how to do this essay in the correct way. And, like my, and from that point on, my teacher just left me alone. And uh, so it really just, it just changed my life in regards to sort of thinking of comics as an art form and realising that they could do something and make you feel something beyond, beyond entertainment. Um, so I've always returned back to the book and the story's always kind of like stuck in my mind and the mythology that the story kind of plays with has stuck in my mind. And then many, many years later, I've always wanted to do Batman and I've always wanted to work at DC. Uh, and even before I was really working on, on Aquaman, um, I did a piece of art that I just was going to put out for Halloween, just on my social media and just just a bit of fun. And I and I kind of mocked it up like a fake cover. I called it Batman City of Madness. And I kind of drew this kind of like Cthulhu-like character who was basically Batman with the kind of tentacles standing in almost like a Nostradamus kind of like pose. And uh, it's fair to say it broke the internet. It did? Well, it, I mean, maybe not broke, but dented it. it there, was, there was a split. There was a crack. There Listen, was a blemish. If we're ranking them, we've got Kim Kardashian, and then we've got Batman City of Madness. And I then mean, we have that, that celebrity was, picture yeah. is below that. Yeah. It's, um, so, yeah, it was, and it went it went wild. And, you know, obviously people people were obviously excited about the, the idea of this kind of cosmic horror Batman. And, uh, and I just, you know, I enjoyed it. And then went on my way, and, and I was, you know, Got the kind of Aquaman gig at DC and, you know, worked on that. Really enjoyed working with DC. They've, DC have been great. I've really, you know, I enjoy my, my relationship there. And uh, we came t- to the end of the project. Um, obviously, my editors had enjoyed working with me as much as I had with them. We had a good rapport, um, good working relationship, you know, I mean, a big thing when you when you kind of like work in comics is is kind of like building up a level of trust. 
you know, because particularly editors, they're, they're juggling so many balls at the same time that if they if if they can trust you that you're not one of the people that they're going to have to worry about, it just really helps to sort of facilitate, you know, good work relationships. And they said to me, uh, Chris Conroy, who's the kind of like the label ed- group editor, he said, um, you know, what's this Batman pitch? And it was funny because like I'd not really mentioned it. He'd obviously just kind of like cocked it into his brain and then literally like two years later and was asking me about it. And because I tend to, you know, this idea of a story had been rolling around in my head even before doing this fan art, he asked me, do I have a pitch? And yes, I did. Uh, and I was able literally that afternoon to send in the pitch, you know, polish it up and just present it. And um, it got greenlit. And I'm now drawing a mind Batman. I'm now doing the dream book that I literally have wanted to do since the days that I was doing art with my art teacher who said, don't do comics. I'm literally drawing the story that started the seed then. And it's, you know, when you work in comics, you kind of, it's a job. And, and, you know, when you meet your kind of peers, even if you're huge fans, you, you know, you kind of like, you treat everybody just as people. And it's all like, you know, you don't want to fanboy and, and do all that. And you want to be very kind of, you know, but if, you know, that that's out the window for this. Like, I don't care. Like, I am just, I'm fanboying all over the place that this is, because I might never get this again, you know, this, this thing. And uh, I'm going to enjoy it. You know, and it's great because I'm just, I, I'm, I don't think I've ever, I mean, I love my job. I'm very fortunate to have a really cool job, um, but I don't think I've ever enjoyed myself as much as I'm enjoying myself now. I mean, it's wild and it's really good because I really got on with the writer. So <laughs> he's, um, he's great to work with. So when do you this is kind of a selfish question i'm i'm writing novels and i have sort of a dream project right but i've had the feeling that i'm not ready for it yet when no, do you know you're ready. i'm ready you're ready no genuinely you're ready like what because here's the thing here's the thing like i joked with you were kind of off air that that uh you know i'm peaking too soon i'm peaking and like what will i do uh, and like obviously i was kind of like half joking because i didn't kind of do your dream project now if because you don't know what you're going to come up with next you could come up with something even better so why save it just do it now life's too short do your dream project now you're ready and the thing is you'll you'll you know i've got better as i've done this like issue like at the moment i'm I'm looking at the last couple of pages of issue two and that those should be finished this week so i'm like it's great i'm well ahead and i'm able to really just take my time and make it as good as I can make it. But issue two is way better than issue one. And it's not that issue one wasn't, I didn't like kind of like labor on it or, or, you know, and it's not good. It is good, but it's, it's, you grow and you, you know, and it just gets better and better and better. So yeah, my advice, do your dream project. So when you're talking about issue two being a lot better than issue one, issue one is still, in your hands, right? Or has it already been sent off? No, no, I, I, I can. I mean, I literally did a pass. I did an, a final pass on the lettering um, last week. Just little tweaks here and there. And I also, uh, I corrected one of the pages because I put up a, a page of um, 
uh, one of the pages in the book that kind of reveals Two Face, and about five people all were like, "You've put," and I've like, I've given him a glove on mm-hmm. his his burnt hand um, for reasons, and um, I'd put it on the wrong hand in one panel. I always get my left and my right confused. I'm sorry. Um, and everyone was just like DMing me, like really panicking, like it was going to press. <laughs> so I've, I've changed that. So I actually did some drawing on issue one literally two days ago. Interesting. So I guess yeah. my question then is, hmm. when do you put down the pencil? When do you say this is going out? Because, I mean, you can tweak something forever. And I think yeah. there there's sort of an arc on it where you've, tweaked it too much at a certain point when do you decide okay christian it's time to move on i would say i'm pretty confident with my work both my writing and my and my art that i have a good i have a i have an innate sense of when it's done i'm i'm not a noodler because in my mind um and i kind of you know the 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 I know I always say this to kind of like colleagues, you know, I've got a lot of incredible, you know, talented friends and great writers, great artists. And, um, and some of them are frustrated maybe that where they are and, 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 and maybe they kind of like spend too long on certain things. And I always say that, that my biggest advice to any creator is that don't labor on fixing the thing you're working on now, get it, don't, don't phone it in, get it good, get it finished. And then anything that you want to correct in that, you correct in the next one. So you're constantly evolving and constantly learning. Don't all fix it in the thing you're working now. Finish it, move on. And once it's done, you then go on to the next thing and think, well, that didn't work so well in the previous thing. So I'm going to, I'm going to refine it in this one. I mean, that's how I work. I'm like this, for instance, is better, I believe, it's better written than Bloodstained Teeth was. And I believe Bloodstained Teeth was better written than Machine Gun Wizards, which was my first book. You kind of like, because otherwise you're just, you end up just, you can fall into a rabbit hole and become obsessive or become insecure. And the thing is, you're not always the best judge of your of the work because I'm not arrogant enough to presume that I if I want to fix something, because it might not, you know, if I've had a second thought, like, oh, maybe, maybe it doesn't work quite as well as I would have liked, and maybe that could be better. I don't know yet how a reader's going to respond to it. So why would I, like, I'm going to trust my first instinct, because I believe in that first instinct. And that's not to say that it's not, you know, refined and you know, working with editors, them up, you know, give me suggestions to sort of like bring out the best of it. Of course I do that. But you have to just go, that's done, move on. You know, and you know, that's what I've done. I like that a lot. I am reminded Neil Gaiman did a master class about Who? Uh this little known writer named oh. Neil Gaiman. I he's kind of on the come up. I don't know if you I, I hope he does okay. Bless he sounds I, like he he should do okay. <laughs> I was shocked. I was shocked they gave such a small name a masterclass. Yeah. You know, I don't really know where I'm going with this, but I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure someone somewhere will will go. Oh, oh that's that, funny. That's all we can hope for. It's yeah. just a little pasha somewhere. Yeah, just like you know, I like that word pasha. 
Thank you. You can you can put it into something. I won't. Sue. Oh, I, I couldn't. I couldn't get away with Shah. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll say it again at some point. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But Neil okay, talked then. about the editing process, and I don't remember the specific artist that he was talking about. But there was a color a colorist that he wanted on Sandman from issue one, mm. and. He was like, the job is yours. You just have to send in samples. And by issue 40, he was like, hey, we're still waiting for your samples. Like, we've gone off to the races without you, but you can still hop on. And I was like, oh, it's not quite ready yet. And they go through this whole 75 issue process. The color artist never submits anything. Mm -hmm. Has been working for the entire run of this all. And I think there's this... Like you just you have to send it out, right? You have, like you said, you have to believe in yourself. Um, I don't fully know where I was going with that, but it reminded it. me of the story. Yeah, and it's true. Like you know, like when you just you just have to do it. Uh, I mean, I think the one thing I quite like about comics, and this is going to sound like a negative, but I really don't mean it in this way, and I, I'm sure people won't take it. But I, I quite like how disposable they are. You know, this idea that, you know, and obviously it gets collected and it becomes a beautiful trade and, you know, people can treasure it forever. And, you know, and and I do. I've been, you know, as you can see, loads of trades behind me. But I like this idea, and I use it very much in my kind of psychology when I'm working, is that you're creating moments of, of joy, mm-hmm. which will be replaced the following month by another moment of joy. And so really, you like... I like the idea that if I don't nail that moment of joy this month, that's okay. I've got next month. And then I've got the month after that, you know, and, and that's, I think with comics, the, the, the beauty of it, you just, it's such a juggernaut that just does not stop. And it, you know, and that's why it can be a, a, a career that can be very tough um, because you are constantly working. I mean, I'm like, I, I just work and work and work. You know, when I finish, I will overlap this project with my next project. That project will overlap with another project. I'll be have, I'll be work. I'll have multiple fires in, in, you know, going at any one time because it's relentless. But I really enjoy that. Um, and so there's no need really for me to kind of worry about is, is that good enough? Because I think kind of. I just have to trust that as an artist, both as a writer and, you know, as a creative, as both as a writer and a, as a visual artist, that I will always improve. I will always kind of get better. I will always try to do something different. I will always try and challenge myself. And it's just going to keep going. And it might only be like really kind of small increments of, of improvement every single time. But there's no point because I allow the pressure of the, the printing time, the deadlines, to take away the pressure of self. You know, I take myself completely out of it. Um, I did a I did a um, a panel at a comic con- convention recently with a really good friend of mine called Jocelyn Stone, and uh, it was all about um, how to challenge imposter syndrome and challenge the idea of um, perfect is the enemy of completion and I talked a lot about taking oneself out of your work 
which seems like an oxymoron because like my work is very personal and it's very me but I've got to the point where it's quite automatic I don't really think about it it's very like instant you know done boom Mm -hmm. Uh, you know I'll you know my work exists and I'm talking about the art here in a kind of you know a page is is captures kind of like instant randomness of that day and just like you know almost like from a like like a fine artist and some pages really work and some pages might not work as well it's likewise with covers and I always sort of say that that what I how I feel about a page doesn't really matter as long as I've stayed true to the story and as long as I've kind of focused on the storytelling it really doesn't matter if I'm not happy with it because it's it's what my fans and, and like the people who read my work, what they think. And so really, you might as well remove your own kind of like thoughts on, on your work, because what you think of your work, I personally think isn't important. So, and story... who is Neil Gaiman? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I was getting a bit too serious. I, I felt like I did. <laughs> I felt like I needed a callback joke there <laughs> about who, how I didn't know who Neil Gaiman is. I do, I do. I've met him a couple of times. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I'd like to do that. Um, so what what are your priorities as a storyteller? You talk about just making sure you got the story down on that page. What mm-hmm. does that mean to you? It just means that it's, it's, I mean, for me, um, story is, and this is both as a writer and it's also as an artist working on my own stories. And it's also as an artist working on, on collaborator stories. I boil down the emotion in a story. Not always necessarily the who and the where and the why and where it was happening and, and you know, the, the kind of like the sequence of events. I always focus on what are the characters going through? What are the emotions of those characters? And how will I relate that to the reader so the reader gets what's happening? Because if a reader gets the emotions, then they get the stakes then they get the tension, then they get the conflict, then everything follows. The emotion of the characters is always where I put the emphasis. Um, you know, and I, so I spend a lot, of, you know, I spend a lot of thought, well, you know, working on the acting of the characters. Um, and I feel like it's it's kind of a little bit, um, I don't know what the kind of the, the method acting equivalent of, of being a comic book artist is, but you kind of like, for me anyway, I, when I'm drawing a character who's going through something, I mean, I don't physically get upset or physically kind of like, you know, be horrified or anything like that, but I definitely feel like I'm acting as I'm drawing it. Um, because I think if you can nail that, then you're kind of like, that's 90% of the story. Um, and then obviously you've got the kind of like the directing element of wanting to have interesting panels, you know, what's, what's a, what's a kind of like viewpoint or, you know, a camera angle that will, will sell a scene or, 
emphasize the horror of a scene or emphasize the kind of the, the majesticness of a scene or you know give the wow or give the tension or you know you're always thinking about that and you're always thinking about kind of variety um but i think kind of the, the linchpin is the emotion and all that because you could do all of that and if the, the characters on the page aren't emoting where a reader would connect with them then there's no point so that leads into, honestly, the, the big question I came into this whole interview with, understanding cosmic horror Batman. Alan Moore, big fan of H.P. Lovecraft, another one of those new and upcoming writers you might have heard of. Alan so, Moore. Yeah, I, I believe right. he's from Oklahoma, specifically. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, I can't, <laughs> can't, can't carry on with that little bit. You said... <laughs> He said, listen here, you. Just yeah. sign out. Whoa. Oh, no, no, no. no <laughs> carry on. He, he sort of finally got at what I was feeling in Lovecraft's work, that the cosmic horror comes from the unknowability of what's going on. But the way that Lovecraft creates that is by making just adjective soup, describing these things in such a way that not all of it can be true at once and it becomes unknowable. And so I have found that so much of adapting Lovecraft's work and so much try of trying to capture that specific type of cosmic horror in a visual medium has been very difficult to sell the right way. So I guess you working in a visual medium, how are you approaching cosmic horror and how do you think you can still capture that aspect of the genre in a visual medium um for me it's about i mean i i have an advantage in that my work kind of like my work has one foot in abstraction at any one time you know it's my work is not about this is how a thing looks in reality it, my work is very much like this is a thing soaked in emotion you know, and the way that I use color and the way that I kind of like paint digitally and the way that I kind of even draw, you know, some of my my line work will get kind of like scratchier and messier depending on the emotion that that's being evoked. Um, and I, there are there is an the story in the book deals with another Gotham a Gotham below and this this city is a, a thing that's kind of grown beneath the streets of the Gotham we know and when I kind of like when I work visually in this this environment where we spend you know a good proportion of our story obviously because it is the city of madness my instinct is that it is not very well defined and it is not sharpened it's not presented in a way that feels crisp and and tangible it's presented in a way well weirdly i was looking at a page the other day and i actually thought oh my god i hope people don't think i've done this using ai because f ai basically f ai but there's an element of, of, of the randomness of AI in the way that I've tried 
to create the city of madness because I don't really want it to kind of work and I don't really want it to kind of hold together and I want it to kind of look like you're looking at it through a lens smeared with Vaseline to evoke the nightmares that we would have as children where we couldn't quite see the horrors at the end of our bed or the thing coming at us and then actually that element of like not being able to see became the kind of the, the root of terror that we would feel that's what i'm trying to get with this in the same way that you kind of reference lovecraft kind of like almost over describing things what i've tried to do in the cosmic elements of it is present it in a way where reality is not the thing that we're holding on to it's it's kind of emotion and that emotion is kind of unpleasant well i think that's a lot of the appeal of cosmic horrors it gets back to that very primal fear of like what's out there in the dark like yeah. what is outside of the ring of our fire that can hurt us and i think it's one of the few ways that we still tap into that fear in a very visceral way in the yeah. modern world so I think it's a good instinct. Yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. I'm really, I think I'm smashing it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if, if story is emotion and obviously we're, we're getting into some terror, we're getting into some horror in this story. Mm -hmm. What, what is the emotional through line of Batman city of madness? What is it that your Bruce Wayne is terrified of? I mean, I, I don't want to say too much because obviously the, 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 uh, the, I want that to be the journey of the readers they go on. But what I will say is thematically, I'm looking at weaponized trauma is the kind of themes of the book. Um, because, you know, Batman is surrounded by trauma and trauma is something that's kind of like, you know, birthed him as a, as a character and birthed him as a, you know, an entity. Um, and also is something that has changed the people around him. So I wanted to do something where I looked at that idea of, of trauma as a transformative thing and look at the idea of, of using that trauma. What if, what if someone used that trauma as a transformative thing to turn someone into a weapon, um, which is basically what Batman is. It's basically what he did robin um and that's kind of what i'm exploring so that's the root of it and that's kind of what batman will kind of realize as he kind of goes through i mean at the end the the, the basic that the starting point of the book and the idea of the book and this is something that's been in batman a lot is you know the idea of him looking into the abyss and they say you know you look into the abyss and the abyss looks back and what this does is, it, hopefully, is if Batman looks into the abyss, does another Batman look out of the abyss? And then what is that Batman going to be like? And how does our Batman, like, how does he change knowing and looking at the, 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 that dark reflection of himself? That's basically what the book is. That sounds cool to me. I think I think your estimation was right. I think you've nailed it. A hundred thousand copies, day one. Thank you very much. Kaching. Kaching. <laughs> private jets in your future. Yeah. I might see if I can get that. What was it? 
Alan Moore to give me yeah. a book quote because I'm sure I'm sure he would. Yeah, he's a very excited voice about the comic book industry. You know, I, I like and DC and <laughs> specifically DC. I'm sure he would love his name on the front of a Batman book. Hundred percent. I'll be uh, calling him up tonight. I don't have his number. <laughs> a pull quote from the original author. <laughs> Um, so my final question and then you can use this as a springboard to talk about anything else that you're very excited about with this how many tentacles are there going to be in your cosmic horror oh I like it I like it how many tentacles well do you know what like this is this you can like my springboard in here Let's say that my tentacles, each tentacle is, is a bit of love of Batman. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And there's going to be, right. there's multiple tentacles and multiple, uh, touching multiple elements of Batman that it loves. Um, I've lost it. It's almost no. there. It's Just almost lean there. in. Tokyo Drift in. into yeah. this one. Yeah, no, I will. I will. No, I mean, like, I mean, like, you know, I, I've talked a lot about how this book's kind of a pseudo sequel to Arkham Asylum. And like, and I'm really excited about, you know, I think kind of when people read the whole things, issue one through to three, um, like I like, I'm really excited about the connections to that story. So any who anyone who hasn't read Arkham Asylum Series House on a Series Earth, the title always, um, read it because like it's very much. Although you'll be able to enjoy this book on its own, you don't have to read it. I think you'll enjoy it more if you do. Um, but beyond. Um, being a pseudo sequel to that wonderful book, it, this this is a love letter to Batman. You know, I I've loved this character since I was a child, and um, and so there's you know there's winks to Burton's film, there's there's definite winks to the uh, Bruce Timm's animated series, there's references to well obviously um, Scott and Greg's Court of Owls because the, the the Court of Owls are in it because um, that was just a, a fantastic book um you know it, it's 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 my love letter to a character who i've i've adored my whole life and i've tried to put as organically i mean very organically as many kind of things into the book that you know people like myself hopefully will read it and just go ah 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 um as they go through um you know because i try to you know I've written the Batman book that I've always wanted to read and it pulls on all these different threads and connects them all together. Um, but with a real, you know, thematic theme uh, and, and a, a genuine kind of conversation that I want to talk about holding it all together and giving it some clarity and giving it some, some welly and, and giving it some drive. And um, yeah, it's got many tentacles and they're going to reach up and they're going to grab your heart and they're going to crush it. I mean, I just, I just got a slow clap for that springboard. Perfect Woo-hoo! form. I've got the little card up. Yeah. 10 out of 10. Perfect. Yeah. I don't so, need a pull. I don't need a pull quote from Alan Gaiman, whatever his name was. Um, <laughs> yeah, Neil Moore. Yeah. Neil Moore. Ne- I will. <laughs> Neil Moore says Zod. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a professional wrestler. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have any final things you want to say to our listeners, places they can go find you, good ways they can support you before we sign out today? 
Um, I'm on, um, I'm going to call it Twitter. I'm not, no, it's Twitter. It we is. On, I'm not, no, we're not going to play City Games. Uh, I'm on Twitter and I'm at CJ Ward Art. I'm the same on uh, Instagram. I'm on Blue Sky. I'm, I'm rarely on Blue Sky. I can't remember what I am on that, but I'm sure you'll find me. Um, I've got a newsletter, which I never send. If you don't want to receive one, you can sign up and I'll never send you one. <laughs> uh, but, you know, maybe one day you'll get one. And like, well, that was worth signing. That didn't cost me anything. Go for it. Um, and just, uh, yeah, if anyone who doesn't know me, you can to sort of check out my art. You might want to check out... Uh, uh, Aquaman Andromeda, um, or you can check out my book uh, Bloodstained Teeth, which is excellent. And that you get it a is. Of, yeah, it's brilliant. It's one of the best things I've ever read that I've written. It's it was really quite fun, and also great first cover. Just by like, it was oh, a great you. book. But that first cover, I was like, man, I'm reading that. I don't even know what's going on yet, and I'm reading that. So yeah, a plus yeah. on that. Boom, boom. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for your time, Christian. And listeners, we will see you again next week. Bye. Yeah. Goodbye.